Hello and welcome. I'm your host Tyler here with Nick. And you're listening to Makeshift Meeples, where we won't teach you how to play board games, we just talk about them. Nick, what are we playing today? This week on Makeshift Meeples, Ecos, First Continent. Ecos is designed by John D. Clare, with art by Sabrina Maramon and Matt Piquet. Publishing was provided by AEG. In Ecos, players are forces of nature, molding the planet, creating a world that is similar, but different from the one that we know. What will the world look like after we're done with it? Only time will tell. It's been like three weeks since we recorded, you realize that, right? Yeah, it's been a while. We played uh, Ecos, though. The First Continent. It's the First Continent. Does that mean it's Pangea? Uh, well, that sort of depends on how the game plays out. I don't know. If I think about it, really... It was more like at points there was more than one yeah super complex yeah there was one so, super continent but then there were also some other places isn't, isn't that what Pangea means though is a yeah. super continent but my point is you could have other continents as well yeah so it may or may not be plus this is an alternative line, history, line in the history so you know oh yeah okay yeah and it's a world like our own not but not, not exactly, exactly like, like our own. yeah but it happens to have a lot of the same animals you find in Africa. Oh yeah, that's true. There's no dinosaurs. <laughs> there was sharks. So sharks are ancient. There sharks are kind of like killer dinosaurs. whales. Yeah. Elephants, lions. I think there, there was cheetahs, tigers, cheetahs, gorillas. There's a lot of yeah, pretty much all African animals. I was hoping to make a lions and tigers and bears on my joke, but there there's no bears <laughs> and there's no tigers, just the lions. Yeah. Well, it's been a while since we played, but I still remember it vividly. Yeah. Do you? I do. Yeah. And I actually thought that, that it was kind of an interesting game because it was so simple to play um, it's in terms of, like, its inception. Yeah. But it gets really complicated in your choice. Your choices and, in, in, dare I say, strategy in this game are, are where it becomes very interesting. Yeah. At its core, all we're really doing is... Um, a player gets to pull a, a tile out of a bag, and then everybody at the same time gets to allocate the resource that was on that tile yep. on their, their, I guess, tableau. One of their cards in their tableau, yeah. Yeah, and then if that resource triggers a... Completion of a card. Yeah, yeah. then you then do you those actions. Do the thing that's on it. Yeah, and it really, when you look at it and you play through it, it plays very simply, yeah. but the complexity is when all these actions chain together and like the potential for what you can do when the actions chain together. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I liked it. I like that it's uh, called a simultaneous action game, I think. Is what yeah. yeah. So everybody gets to do a thing at once. But at the same time, I didn't really like how the if somebody's action triggers, it like halts the game. Yeah, it, well, I mean, it halts the drawing of new resources. Well, I mean, you just have to wait for somebody to resolve the action. That's yeah. all I mean. Sure. And I will say, like, there were later in the game, you tend to have, like, one card resolving, and then that resolves another card, resolves another card. And there's sort of this chain yeah. reaction that yeah. happens. And... I could see where that could be tiresome for some people, but honestly, it was kind of cool for me to just see how people were able to use one card to make a lot of stuff happen and kind of build out this land yeah. that we've created together. Yeah, actually, that was super cool, too. Like, we get to cooperatively build the continent yeah. or the landmass, but at the same mm -hmm. time, we're trying to score points, so we're kind of like 
using each other's creations against against the other players. Yeah. So the way I described it uh, when Bruce did the same thing to me is like you pretty much just like wait until somebody's built a bunch of resources and you go in and you use them all to score points. Yep. Like you know, the player that does the work doesn't get any of the, the reward. Well, so I thought it was interesting because there was kind of two different types of cards. There were ones that were like, the, the, where that happened for me, there was uh, there are cards that you put like forest tiles into play, right? Mm-hmm. And then I ended up with a card that like, you got points if you placed a forest tile that was part of the largest continent on the map. Okay. Or you get points for each tile in the largest continent on the map, or the smallest continent in the map, maybe. So it sort of encouraged me to make one big continent, but then Bruce had a different, or somebody had a different thing, like, you got points for placing tiles that weren't connected to other ones. Yeah, so you so wanted to became be, other continents. You wanted to split them up by water. Yep, yep. And so there, it was interesting to see how, like, the different cards could be a co-op like could turn into a cooperative strategy with you and another player or they could also create a situation where like you're both trying to do the exact opposite thing yeah well or sometimes one player wants to create a bunch of animals in a certain spot so that they get extra points because they have a huge habitat of animals Uh but then another player might want to like eat all those animals so they're fine with you putting as many out there as you want yeah Yeah. so they want to kind of do the same thing as you but they also if if you're the player that's just trying to get the big habitat, yeah, then they're gonna mess you up. Well, yeah, yeah, if you were if you wait too long to activate that card that like scores you points for having fifteen elephants on the board, and somebody runs along with a lion and just chomps them all out, mm-hmm. you've lost a huge opportunity. There. Yeah, and I mean that's what I mean when I say it's just difficult to plan your actions in ecos. Oh, very, yeah, because you have. Three or four, three to five cards. I don't know, maybe even more than that in front of you. Yeah, later and, in the game you'll have six or seven sometimes. Yeah, but everybody else has that same number too. Mm-hmm. And because you don't know what item is going to come out of the bag, what resource, then you can't. You don't know if you're going to get to do your thing before somebody else. And you may want to change your whole strategy so that it's not even interfering with anybody else if possible. See, I think that's one of the more interesting yeah. parts of the game, though, is you have that variety of different act, the variety of different actions you can take. And that may change. You may play a card, and then the next turn somebody ends up doing something that, like, well, I'm not going to do that card now. Yeah. So I'm just not going to use those resources. Yeah. Well, it definitely leads to some really cool interactions. But, but see, I think it yeah. only really affects you negatively if you ended up putting resources on it before. I see. Getting yeah. to use it, and you never really have to place a token on that card you could always just place it on your there's a spinny tile that i think says gives you special actions yeah and And they're generally not good for scoring points but they kind of like progress you forward they can give you more cubes to place or they can give you more cards to play right Right. Um, which are both things you're going to need to do throughout the game yeah and it seemed like some of the best cards were um cards that when you achieved them they gave you those things that you could spend resources on like some cards or, resources yeah. yeah um well well just cards that that gave you things that you would otherwise have to spend your actions on i don't know if they're called actions in this game but yeah it would essentially give you resources yeah. rather than having to wait for them to be pulled out of the bag yeah. yeah and some of the cards were really hard to achieve there were some like like but most of those cards that were really hard to achieve also came with like significant victory points as well sure. yeah or like game state changing yes effects significant changes to the board yeah 
Well, I remember when we were discussing it during the play session, I asked what kind of cards give you more points. And there's blue cards and red cards, and you don't know what they are. And I think people said that red cards give you more points. But after reviewing it, I think that that's not the case. I think the blue cards give you more points, but they're easier to achieve, and the red cards affect the board more, but they're harder to achieve. Yeah, I think that the points are actually fairly evenly distributed between the two different types of cards. Um, that being said, I think the red cards are kind of like the big payoff cards. Like, those are the ones that are going to take you a little longer to get done, but when you do them, you're going to score, you know, 10, 12, 15 yeah, points. Yeah, it was really hard to tell what a good amount of points was because some cards that were really easy to achieve you may get like two to three points for achieving mm -hmm. every time but you can do that you may be three able to do that times. every couple of rounds yeah. but with the bigger cards like the ones that took six resources to achieve it's only double the amount of resources but they'd have conditions like if you move a shark through this many territories and they all have fish in them, then for each fish that it eats, you get like four points or something. Yeah. So you could potentially get a huge amount of points from only spending a couple more resources. Well, the difference, the other difference there is the resources that you need, specifically on that shark card, the resources you need are like two of the mm -hmm. animals and two of another resource that are extremely rare. Mm -hmm. So like, I think there's only two of the animal tokens in the bag that the harbinger pulls out to give resources to everybody. Mm. So you end up probably trying to use a wild from something else to do it or getting lucky and getting those two animal resources out there. Yeah, or yeah, you can maybe synergize one of your other cards yep. to, to give it to you. Well, I did, I did like that there was different rarities. It kind of felt love letter-esque to an extent where like, like maybe okay. I want to do a specific thing and I can see how many tiles have already been revealed of that yeah. certain type. So I can like count the tiles in the bag. So there's a little bit of control there, yeah. right? That you can grab back from the randomness. You know the number of tiles there. And I really liked that. It's on that start tile. Yeah. yeah. That, that, Everybody the, has a thing in front of them telling exactly how many of each are in there. Yeah, doesn't really need a player aid. But it's a really good spot for them to put that player aid yeah. as on that, um, that game piece that mm -hmm. is technically a functional interactive piece of the game mm -hmm. right it's used and i think that's just really clever instead of giving you an extra piece of paper that just sits in front of you yeah. it's, it's they've already it's got something there nice it's got the right amount of space yeah yeah that was good and speaking of components what did you think of the animals and the tiles that we placed on the board so the tiles i thought were pretty good quality they're a little bit thicker than you normally see in just at your average board game for the tiles themselves and the cardboard chits for the the creatures were just fine as well I did like that in the game, in the base game, like, they include a little cardboard, I don't even know what I would call it, storage device mm. for all of the animals. So, like, they're not just rolling around inside the box or just in a bag. Like, they're pre-sorted by animal type, mm -hmm. and that makes it a lot easier to find them. There were some really interesting choices, I would say, uh, for the landmass tiles. Yeah. Because the any of the ocean tiles they were, were thinner, a little yeah. bit thinner. And all the, I guess you'd call them, like, like area tiles or land tiles, yeah. right? Not ocean tiles. They were thicker. So it kind of felt like you were actually above, like you were actually building a, a real landmass as yeah. opposed to just like... Because the water a, sinks down, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of cool. Um, and the animals, I liked that they had a habitat zone on the... Yeah tops they were like little it was, uh, ha each one of them yeah. specifically shows which habitats they can be placed into 
But that was something else I really liked. There, there's ways within the game to move animals around. Mm-hmm. And those specific, those things that are on the tile themselves, saying where you can place the animal, don't restrict them from moving into other zones You're later right. on. So it's like, there were certain things that, you know, you could only place this animal in a, a tile that has a forest on it. But if you have something else later that lets you move that, you could move it to a tile that doesn't have a forest. Mm-hmm. It just, you know, requires a little bit of different a different action to really make it work right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really like that they were both double-sided. It kind of saves you on, like, bag space for... For the tiles? Yeah, so you don't have to, like, have oh, yeah. multiple all of... places to storm in the box. Well, I think all the ocean tiles were oceans on both sides. You're right. But I believe the land tiles were all forest on one side and savannah on the other. That's true, and that's because they had different widths. Yep. Right, or yep. whatever, millimeter paper. And But the animals were the same, too. Most of the animals were the same on both sides. Well, there was only a few that had different animals on the back side. I think it was the predators, and yeah, there were some because you're not gonna play too. a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I thought that was cool. I think that that just it gives the a game that could have a lot of chits just lying around. Yeah, um, a little bit extra of consolidation. Yeah, so just a wise decision. It's Fifteen less tokens to put away every game, you know, yeah. or bring out or. Have to mess with, yeah. But I also really liked the symbols on the cards, like the UI, mm-hmm. user interface, because they, a lot of times, I've really been, I've really enjoyed when you put symbols on everything and you reduce the amount of text you have to read. Of course. But when you have to think about all the different actions you can take, if if you didn't have like a really good player aid to review all those symbols all the time, mm-hmm. then I think that uh, it would have felt really bad. So it was a good idea to just only put symbols on the or i guess called is this a word symbolize the the tiles and the animals because the only symbol i actually saw was like a when, when there's a down arrow it means you put something there and there's like a victory like place point. it yeah and there's like a victory point symbol and maybe a couple others but every other um card that i remember seeing was it had a, like a full description on it yeah and it wasn't difficult to read but they just used symbols to condense the, some of the the few symbols stuff. they used yeah were pretty obvious yeah. i felt like it, or at least extremely they made sense once you understood how the game was played very easily yeah and i think the resources used symbols too but that's that's about perfect so i really enjoyed that like it, it, it wasn't a hundred percent text mm-hmm. but there is like just enough symbols to make sense and be intuitive I think there was pretty minimal text, to be honest with you, with the, with few exceptions of things like the shark, where, like, you're going to put him down and move him. Like, that was spelled yeah. out because there's not a good way to symbolize that. And when mm-hmm. they did Maybe. have to put text into those, they definitely, definitely did a good job of limiting it mm-hmm. down to the bare minimum amount of text as yeah. well. I think I agree with you. I, th- I just think that, I think that the user interface was just so good for what the game was trying oh, to yeah. do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it that was one of those things, like, we talked about this before we started recording. This game, the the actions and the things that you do in it, they're not difficult to explain to people if you have references. Mm-hmm. But, like, if we were to try to explain this to everybody listening, it would sound like we're crazy people. <laughs> like... Well, what's really weird is that, like, the core, the core mechanic here is... You place a token on a card, and then when you use an action, you turn it. Yep. And 
the whole turning the card doesn't really make much sense when you try to explain it, but when you see it, it makes perfect yeah. sense. So yeah. It's very Basically, neat. every time you turn it, you get one less use out of it. Yeah. But the, I did, I also like that a lot of the card, the cards had varying numbers of times you could do them. Yeah. Anything from four down to one. And I felt like those ones that you could only do one time or two times, they seemed like they were mechanically inefficient just because you were spending the actions to uh, draw a card and then spending the actions to play cards to only use it one time. But they generally rewarded you with a significant amount of points if you yeah, pull them off. It's cool. So I, I was curious why they put a victory point condition on winning. I think it was more to set an end of the game. Well, there's a bunch of ways to do that. And because the, the I guess there's a term for the first player, and is also the person that draws from the dice called the Harbinger. Harbinger yeah. And they already set a condition to swap Harbinger positions. Yeah. And it's whenever you draw two wilds, I think. Which, one wild. One wild. Yeah. Which wilds are supposed to be the rarest in the bag. There's only two of them, I yeah. think. There's one other thing I think there's only two of, but yeah. But I've played other games where, like, if you draw a certain number of cards from a deck, like, let's say, in-game cards, yeah. or a certain number of tiles from a bag, then the in-game condition triggers. I don't know why they couldn't done it here. I actually think it would have been a little bit more interesting, but I can understand why... They would want a separate win condition too, because or in game condition. See, I I think that the points is a more interesting win condition to me than mm -hmm. just like, well, when we get through so many cards. Well, I would have like over. I would have liked to see it like um every time you get, every time you pull a wild, you like remove a tile from the bag and you put like another wild in the bag, and then so like the harbinger keeps like changing and changing. It's kind of like a doom clock. It'll change fast. Yeah, and then once you put like once you remove all the wild tiles that you could and you put them in the bag, then like the next one you pull is like the end of the game or something. See, my only concern with that is like I don't think, I mean, because it is a random bag of car tiles that you're drawing out, I would just be afraid that like you get to this point where you haven't the what's the best way to say it? there's too much randomness in how long the game can yeah i get what long. you mean like like it, the game could end and you could only the highest score could be like 12 points yeah and this is a problem that i have with a couple other games where like if you're in the lead granted you can't like purposely pull a wild card out of there but like if you're in the lead there needs to be a mechanic that allows people to catch up or at least know that they're ahead and i think if you see somebody sprinting off really early in this game you know that you need to, if you don't have any cards in your hand that score points, you've got to do something to get new cards. Mm -hmm. you, you've got to work to get those points quickly, otherwise they're just going to run away with it, you know? Yeah. And I think if you have that randomness of, well, we pull so many wilds out and it's over, that could be a very short amount of time, or it could be a really long amount of time. It's just not fixed. I don't know. I think it could be fun. Uh, but, we can try it out, Tyler. See how it works. Yeah, yeah. I think it's good to have different opinions on that, though. Because yeah. if, if everybody agreed on it, then... I that think it would be very interesting to try that. I don't know if I would like it, though, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, I, I like the point system just for the fact that it's it's very easy to tell if you have cards that can score you points or not, you know, versus not knowing when certain tiles are going to be drawn. Like, that just... Mm -hmm. There's enough randomness in the game. I don't think you need to add the randomness to the win condition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, I definitely have to try it more. It's just something I was curious about, like why yeah. they only put one win condition. I feel like they could have maybe put a different couple different ones in there just to get See, more experience. I think part of the beauty of the game is how simple it is, though. And I think if you sure. add in multiple win conditions, you, you're overcomplicating 
the play of the game at that point. Maybe. I, I think randomness is kind of the core of Echoes. Yeah. So adding a little bit more randomness isn't going to hurt it. But I can understand why. If From the perspective of I don't know how long the game is going to last, like we draw one wild tile, and then we draw another wild tile, and then we draw another one, and it's the first tile we draw each time, sure, maybe that would speed the game up quickly. But yeah. when we played, I think multiple times we got to like the last tile or two in the bag before the so yeah 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 that's maybe my my perspective on it sure i mean that's that's how a random bag of tiles works for sure i did i i really did enjoy the whole like bingo s aspect of like the harbinger pulling out the tiles though i thought it was a good addition you don't see that in a lot of games and maybe that's why they did it like it's not a mechanic you see often in games so it's just interesting enough to be a little different Mm-hmm. So what are a couple of things that you think people should know about Echoes? Sure. First and foremost, I think the theme and just the way this game looks on the table is really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got a bunch of African animals. You're building out this continent. And we talked about this a little bit. Like When you start the game, it doesn't look that impressive at all. But when you get to the end or very close to the end, you've built out this continent. You've got animals all over the place. You've got the mountains and the trees. It's just a really cool looking game. So it's kind of fun to play and just see how that continent builds itself out. Yeah, I agree with you too. I, I think that what you said is 100% true. And the most fun part is building the continent yeah. with a group of people. Like like you could just do that multiple times and it'd be fun. The rest of it's just, I, I guess, icing. It's the, the game part of it. Yeah, this, this is one of those games. I think I talked to you about this beforehand. Like you can have a lot of fun with this game. And be in dead last place, but just enjoy the process of building out the continent and doing some interesting things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I also thought that um, that it just felt really hard to play, like in terms of the randomness and the action. It's very easy to get paralyzed while you're playing Echoes. Oh, AP is a real thing that you can jump into real easily. Yeah. yeah, and I didn't think that. I don't think that it's great for everybody. If you right. want a game that where you can plan out all your actions, this is not going to be that game. If you want to plan anything, this is not the game for you, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that plays right in. One of the other things I brought up was the randomness of the Harbinger draw. It, it makes the game so much more random. But in my opinion, that made it more fun for me. Mm-hmm. But I see where people that easily get drawn into the analysis paralysis could have a lot of issues with this game really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did like the user interface too. I think that they did a great job of just making the symbols and the cards readable. And there's like the perfect balance of symbology versus uh, versus text mm-hmm. for this style of game mm-hmm. because you're doing everything at the same time. Each player is taking action or essentially placing a, a card or placing a unit on a card. Then it's really important to not have to be burdened by all the symbols yeah. and be able to just know what something's going to do. And I think they got a good balance of that for Yeah, and I think all the cards pretty instinctively, the symbols they use on the cards make it very instinctive how that card works very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I had that was definitely of note was the storage solution for the animals. They don't have a great storage solution for the tiles in the box, but this is something we talk about from time to time with games that have particularly good or particularly bad ones. With all of the tiles and chips and everything else that you have in this game it was nice they included a little something to store the cubes in and store the animals in and it's just right there in the box when you buy it yeah i agree i totally agree um i think the they used bags for the storage tiles 
Yeah, some of those were mine. Uh-oh. Some of those were in there. Oh, those were just yours. <laughs> it was yeah. a little bit of both. <laughs> you weren't there when we had to put it up, so I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know what to sort the tiles into. Yeah. So. Most of them went into bags, but I had a couple extra bags laying around. So mm-hmm. I feel like most advanced gamers have plastic bags sitting around for those kinds of things. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, but Echoes was fun. You just got to find the right group to play with it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to playing it again. Maybe trying it out with a different wind condition with you, Tyler. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Thank you for listening to Makeshift Meeples. You can see more about our upcoming shows on our website, makeshiftmeeples.com, as well as offer us feedback or contact us about games you would like to see on the show. If you enjoyed the episode, there are a number of ways you can help us keep this thing going. Share this episode with a friend. Hit that subscribe button so that you're notified of future episodes. Like and follow us on social media. And you can support us on the Patreon and Anchor app.